This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to Cast Club Radio. I'm Maura Dooley. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And Lydia Cruz is off this week. She's uh, getting a little vacation time, rest and relaxation in the run-up to a very busy college football season that she'll be uh, busy studying and, and covering. So we wish her well this week. And we are together now on Saturday of Labor Day weekend. What do you have planned, Mara? I don't have any plans right now. What about you? Well, let's see. Tonight, we're going to go to the Foo Fighters concert. They're playing at Safeco Field. Uh, Last night was a big uh, concert with the Zac Brown Band at Safeco. I did not go to that, but it was a good warm-up act, I'm sure, for the Foo Fighters tonight. Of course, everyone knows Dave Grohl, the lead singer, who was the drummer for hometown favorite Nirvana. And it's good to see them back on the road and coming to Safeco Field. This will be my third concert at Safeco that I've gone to in the last two years. And the venue is very cool for concerts. Yeah, that's awesome. You just went to Pearl Jam, right? Yeah, Pearl Jam was about two weeks ago. Um, And uh, the last one I was at at Safeco was uh, Eagles and Doobie Brothers last September, which is also an amazing show. Well, you're doing better than I am. Remember, do you remember back to our New Year's resolution show when I said I was going to try to go to more concerts? Yes. I haven't quite quite done that yet this year. (laughs) I'm helping you fulfill your New Year's resolution. Thank you. I'll live vicariously through you. Good. Well, I will continue to attend concerts and kind of let you know how great they were. Thank you. Also, uh, this weekend is the big Ellensburg Rodeo in uh, eastern Washington. It kicks off the uh, run-up to the fall obsession of rodeos all around the western part of the U.S., uh, culminating later on with the national PBR uh, rodeo finals. And uh, lots of cowboys, lots of bulls and horses and uh, roping. And uh, we at Heritage are, are honored to be a sponsor this year for the first time of the Ellensburg Rodeo. And so we're thrilled uh, to be sponsoring that. Uh, and, of course, we've been joking around the office. You know, our, one of our themes for baseball season is uh, you can't spell baseball without BSB. It also turns out that for rodeo, you can't spell belt buckles and you can't spell cowboy boots without BSB. So, see, BSB <laughs> works everywhere. There you go. Would you ever ride a bull, Justin? Um, I rode a mechanical bull once <laughs> at my cousin's wedding reception. <laughs> that counts. There we go. It counts, yeah. <laughs> I gave a long speech. I was the best man, and I uh, gave a long speech, and uh, they punished me by putting me on the bull first, and then uh, they dialed it up very quickly, and I did not last very <laughs> They punished you. That's awesome. <laughs> well, what do we have going on in the headlines this week, Justin? Well, uh, this week in the headlines, uh, first and foremost, because it is Labor Day weekend, we want to make sure everybody is responsible and that uh, if you drink, don't drive. If you are drinking, don't operate a boat or any kind of mechanized uh, machinery because we want you to be back here next week to listen to the next episode of Cast Club Radio. So uh, keep that in mind. First up on the news, a botched painting of Jesus inspires Spanish wine. Back in 2012, uh, this became worldwide news. There was a painting 
done in 1930. It was a fresco of Jesus, and it was done on the wall of the Santiago de uh, Misericordia Church in Borja, Spain. And the church decided they needed to uh, fix up and restore this famous painting of Jesus. So in 2012, 81-year-old parishioner Cecilia Jimenez tried to restore the fresco and screwed it up royally and <laughs> yeah. turned Jesus into a monkey. And if you look at the picture, we'll post some pictures on Castle Radio. It looks like a third grader had a really good day in art class and <laughs> uh, caused really news around the world to uh, make fun of the situation. But the church decided to use this to increase their fortunes. 160,000 tourists a year have made a pilgrimage now to see the painting in this tiny town of Borja, and it sponsored a new wine priced at four euros a bottle. It's made of a blend of old vine uh, Grenache, Tempranillo, Merlot, and Cabernet Sauvignon. And a dollar goes to the artist, Cecilia Jimenez, because she's taking care of uh, sick family members, and the rest goes to the church. And so uh, not all is lost in this attempt to turn Jesus into a monkey accidentally. Yeah, I love that she was humiliated at first, but now she thinks it's kind of funny. She (laughs) She said... I think, okay, you're not that ugly. I, I see him as handsome. <laughs> and now that's she right. has a son that has cerebral palsy, and she actually gets donations because of it for him. So that's awesome. And who are we to judge? Yes, I'm a horrible artist. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Next up in the news, whiskey counterfeiter goes on the lam. A man was accused of counterfeiting large numbers of bottle. Uh, he was caught arrested and then went out on bail he has jumped bail people found that he was auctioning rare vintages of whiskeys on the whiskey.auction site a large-scale counterfeiting operation was uncovered when people went to check out his location and they found lots of empty bottles of valuable brands and he was seemingly filling them and resealing them. So this goes to a big issue with the Internet now, which is if you're looking for alcohol especially, uh, it can be dangerous. So make sure you are getting that from a reputable supplier, the people actually manufacturing it, distilling it, packaging it, or from trusted retailers, not just random people on the Internet, because you cannot necessarily trust that you are getting what you are paying for. So inviting these whiskey.auction people over, he kind of outed himself. He did, yeah. He screwed up that (laughs) gig, and uh, that was kind of a dumb thing. Uh, So it gives you a view into the mindset of that particular criminal. Yes. Lastly, in the news this week, a New Zealand brewery has released its first Deer beer. Earlier this year, there was a whiskey flavored with beaver secretion that was launched. And now, yes, um, and now New Zealand brewery called Moa has unveiled a wheat beer brewed with deer velvet, specifically marketed to the Chinese market, and it sold out in its first 48 hours. The idea for the Bizarre Brew came during a trip to China in a beer-fueled meeting between Moa's global sales director and Chinese craft beer retailer called M99. The deer velvet grows on the animal's new antlers for just a few months every year, and then it turns in the bone. And you'll see oftentimes the deer rubbing their uh, velvet as they mature throughout the year. So the largest supplier of deer velvet began to export this, and they have begun to put this into the beer. Now, why is this important? It's important because in China, The velvet of a deer's horns 
is alleged to have health benefits. It's said to improve strength and endurance, boost the immune system, and it's also claimed to have tremendous powers as an aphrodisiac. So it was a 5.5% what they call red stag wheat beer, and uh, it was described as having a unique red-tinged hue and a a robust hop flavor. Uh, So if you find the bottle of the first-ever deer beer, take a picture (laughs) and let us share it with the world. I think I'm going to pass on that one. How about you, Justin? I'm not going to go out of my way to (laughs) find this bottle. If it happens to find its way to me, uh, then I may report on what it tastes like. Fair enough. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, there is a foreign group launching an ad campaign targeted at California winemakers that's promoting cork as the most sustainable and best way to seal wine. Coming up next, we take a look at the merits of traditional cork, synthetic corks, and twist tops when it comes to sealing wine. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. I'm Maura Dooley here with Justin Stiefel. And Justin, right now there's something interesting going on with cork in regards to wine. The Portuguese Cork Association has launched a series of trade-targeted television ads, kind of hoping to make winemakers in California aware that, in their view, cork is the best and most sustainable wine stopper. That's right. This entity called APCOR, it is the association for the Portuguese cork growers and the manufacturers, and they've started to target Napa and Sonoma counties specifically with direct messaging on television to try to educate winemakers in California about the sustainable wine stopper, which is the cork that we all know. They are going after targeting the idea that it's environmentally conscious and uh, that is a better material than using the screw tops or the artificial uh, synthetic corks. Now, interesting that they're targeting those two because in uh, trying to target the TV ads to winemakers in Napa and Sonoma, they really are targeting um, the people who are making the decision on what the enclosures should be for the wine cork versus uh, synthetic versus screw top, as opposed to the much broader marketing, which would be for them to go out to the consumers all around the U.S. and say, hey, next time you buy wine, make sure your wine has real cork. So that's a nuance in terms of how they are trying to get their message out. They're trying to go directly to the manufacturers as opposed to the end consumer. Now, we put together a little uh, analysis here about which sealing method is best and what some of the experts have to say. Why do we cork our wine or seal the wine? Well, because oxygen is uh, evil <laughs> when it comes to beer, wine, less in this case uh, spirits, but particularly for wine. The oxygen, as it interacts with the wine, begins to uh, create oxidation. That affects the flavor, and uh, when the flavor is affected, then it ruins the consistency. Now, the consistency is the winemaker's attempt to make sure that the product that you love, the brand you like, the variety you like, is as consistent as possible in terms of its quality and flavor profile from year to year, with the only variation being what did the grapes of that variety taste like that year based on the factors of heat, temperature, uh, and so on. 
uh, when they harvested those grapes. So uh, of the three, the first is natural cork. Natural cork stoppers, they first appeared about 250 years ago, uh, displacing the old oiled rags and wooden plugs that had previously been used to seal bottles. Can you imagine that, getting oily rags to uh, seal your bottle of wine? No. Uh, what, <laughs> no, not today. Imagine show up to a party with a, a you know <laughs> tremendous bottle of wine in an oily rag just kind of hanging out the top and say, oh, this is the way they did it 250 years ago. No. <laughs> no. Oh, not my goodness. That. With the use of cork came the possibility of aging wine. Until about 20 years ago, natural corks were pretty much the only option for quality wine. The cork cylinder is cut from the outside of the inner bark of a cork oak tree. And uh, if you've ever seen them harvest the cork off the trees, they basically peel it off in, in huge chunks. And so it is a sustainable product in so much as they are attempting to protect the forest so that it will continue to grow this cork. The second type of enclosure, we call them enclosures, are plastic corks. Synthetic corks are made from polyethylene, which is the same plastic as milk bottles and plastic pipes. After years of research and development, these plastic corks perform nearly the same as natural cork in preventing oxygen from entering the bottle. Remember, oxygen is bad. But there are three things that the plastic corks do differently. They don't have any taint, uh, meaning they don't have any uh, thing that attaches to natural cork to infect the flavor or affect the flavor of the wine. They let in a little bit more oxygen, and they're very consistent in the amount of oxygen that they let in. So right now, you might look at a typical cork, uh, which allows one milligram of oxygen per year into a bottle. That sounds like a very small amount, one milligram a year. But after two or three years, the cumulative amount can be enough to break down the sulfites that the winemakers add to protect the wine from oxidation. So uh, again, uh, controlling how oxygen hits the wine is key. Uh, synthetic corks do effectively prevent uh, what we call cork taint. Cork taint is uh, in anywhere from 3 to 15% of aged wine bottles. Cork taint occurs when something that the winemakers call TCA, uh, that's the short uh, term for trichloroanisole, which is a chemical compound that occurs in natural corks. That often occurs as a byproduct of bacteria in the winemaking building where they're using a lot of bleach. And when the two come together, it gives off this gas, trichloroanisole or TCA. And this can turn the wine uh, into what might smell like wet newspapers. Yeah, it's really uh, disappointing. This is why when <laughs> it's disappointing, yes. This is why when you open a bottle of wine, you see the sommelier or the waiter or waitress smell the cork. They're smelling to see, does it smell like this should smell, or does it smell like a wet dog, wet newspaper, uh, does it smell like it's turned uh, into vinegar and so on? And that's the first test that they do before they then pour you the drink, and that's why they also then pour you the small sample so you can taste it to make sure that the wine has not been tainted. Now, on the synthetic cork side, they do not expand or contract within the bottle. Wine bottles will, they are glass for the most part, they will expand and contract with a slight temperature fluctuation. Why does it matter? It'll, well, it matters because if the glass is expanding or contracting, but the synthetic cork does not contract or expand at an equal rate, then it may allow a little more oxygen in. So again, in aging wine, consistency is king. And if you are getting bottles of wine uh, and you want to age them or put them in your collection, having them at a constant temperature is key to minimize the fluctuation of the gas, uh, of the glass expanding and contracting. Third, 
option is screw caps. We're seeing screw caps enter the market like crazy. Typically you see screw caps on a lot of white wine. Those white wines are not typically being aged as long by the consumer, whereas the reds, the consumer will get bottles of reds they like and keep them in the collection for years at a time, which is why you'll see the red uh, cork versus the screw top. Screw caps are usually, uh, they have two parts to them. One is the metal cap, which is the outside liner. And then the second part is the inner seal that is up inside and actually seals the bottle closed when the machinery uh, puts the screw cap on. It's critical that they're lined up right and that they, uh, again, minimize the rate of oxygen transmission. There are some excellent high quality wines that have screw tops. There are some really bad wines that have corks, and I'm sure, Mara, you've experienced uh, both ends of that. The key, again, is consistency and quality, and as I always say, when you find a bottle of wine that you really like, it doesn't matter what the experts say, it matters your enjoyment of it, and uh, whether it's got a screw cap or a cork, um, it's about the enjoyment of that glass of wine and the experiences you're having with family and friends and go forth and enjoy what you like. Yeah, I agree with you. When the screw top first came out and I was waiting tables or it seemed like wineries first shifted to that, I felt some resistance. There was definitely people that thought that those were only the the lower end wines that were switching to that, but I was trying to educate my tables on the fact that it was actually spreading everywhere and there were some really good wines that had screw tops but I think another part of it also is it takes it takes away a little bit from the presentation that you do table side when you just walk up and twist it and you don't do the you know whole presenting and then putting the corkscrew in and pulling it out so maybe that also made it feel a little a little less elegant to people but you're right I mean there's, there there's plenty of screw top wines that are great there was a line in a movie uh, when they first came out. Um, this gentleman it was on a date with a woman, and he was trying to impress her. So he ordered a bottle of wine, and the uh, waiter kind of rolled his eyes at the order he had placed for the particular brand or vintage. And when it showed up, <laughs> he put the bottle of wine on the table, and he said, Shall I unscrew it for you, sir? <laughs> in, in just a way that was just so demeaning. Um, but that, that goes right to what you just commented on how uh, perception sometimes becomes reality. Yeah, but like you said, it's all about what you taste and what you enjoy, and there are plenty of good wines that have both out there right now. Absolutely. And uh, again, as long as you've enjoyed it and you enjoy them responsibly, it really doesn't matter which type of enclosure you have. And frankly, if you're out hiking or camping or on a boat, uh, being able to unscrew the wine as opposed to getting the bottle opener out and dealing with the whole cork thing uh, in a more rustic environment is uh, it's way easier. Very true. Well, speaking of more rustic environments, it's Labor Day weekend, and that means that the Ellensburg Rodeo is going on through Monday. We're going to talk to Carl Jensvold, the sponsorship director over there, about what they have going on this weekend, coming up next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. I'm Maura Dooley. And, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. And something that happens Labor Day weekend here every year is the Ellensburg Rodeo. And right now I'm joined by Carl Jensvold, Sponsorship Director of the Ellensburg Rodeo. Carl, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. So I'd like to get started by finding out a little bit more about the history of the Ellensburg Rodeo. How long has this been going on? So the Ellensburg Rodeo has been operating since 1923. So we are quickly approaching our 100th year anniversary. Wow. 
That's impressive. I'm sure there's been a lot of changes over the years. Yes. You know, the the local ranchers and the Yakima Indian Nation actually began the event in a what literally was a pasture and now has turned into uh, a beautiful rodeo arena that holds a little over 9,000 people and uh, draws cowboys and cowgirls from across the country and is one of the premier rodeos in the United States. That's awesome. How many visitors do you usually expect over the course of Labor Day weekend? So over the course of our entire weekend, which begins on Friday and ends on with our Monday finale, um, we draw close to 37,000 people. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And they come from all over the country. Yes, the contestants definitely do. We we do track some of our rodeo fans and have had people come from from all over the country. Um, but rodeo contestants uh, travel to where rodeos are, and uh, so all of our all of our contestants are come from all over the country. And, and and we draw obviously a lot of local competitors as well. And some of them are are ranked high in the world. And um, and and this is an opportunity to improve their world standings, which their ultimate goal is to make it to Las Vegas for the National Finals Rodeo in December. Oh, perfect. So you can people can come check out names that they probably recognize if they follow the rodeo circuit then. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Tough Cooper, Trevor Brazil, Sage Kimsey, Nellie Miller, <laughs> Jacobs Crawley. You can go on and on. In, in every event, Labor Day weekend, we are the largest rodeo in the country, and we rank by payout of total money in the top 15 in the world. So uh, we're a very lucrative rodeo, and and they and we put on a great event. So they're going to come for the for great chance at, at money and great stock opportunities. So. Yeah. What are some of the events that visitors can see these competitors? So every rodeo performance includes uh, bareback riding, steer wrestling, team roping, saddle bronc riding, tie down roping, bull riding, and uh, women's barrel racing. Oh, wow. Have you ever tried any of these? (laughs) As a a farm kid and growing up, um, I've thrown a rope a few times, but I've never... uh, I've never got on the back of a bull, I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I asked Justin if he would ever try bull riding, and he said he um, tried a mechanical one, and that was good enough for him. <laughs> well, if he changes his mind, he just needs to let us know. So, <laughs> What are some of the family-friendly events going on out there this weekend? Sure. So outside of the rodeo arena, we have uh, vendors, uh, food opportunities for uh, merchandise and clothing, um, the Kittitas County Fair uh, operates directly next to us as an independent organization, but uh, over the course of the Labor Day weekend, we exist, coexist. Uh, so there's a carnival on that side, show animals for 4-H and FFA, and many of our fans uh, take advantage of both, both sides of the fence. And if you buy an Ellensburg Rodeo ticket, you have free admission to the Kittitas County Fair, so you get it. you have the opportunity to take advantage of both events. And is that, did I see that there's some musical guests going on as well? Yeah, so on Thursday night, uh, Joe Diffie performed a concert in the arena, and it was a great opportunity for rodeo fans to actually be down on the dirt in the arena, which is sacred ground to us, unless you're a contestant or a judge or a director helping uh, put on the performance. Fans don't typically get a chance to do that, so we call it Rock in the Arena, and our and fans come and get to dance in the dirt right in front of the stage, and, and it was it was a great success. Oh, that sounds awesome. I know one of my favorite things to do at any event is check out the food. What kind of uh, food offerings can people expect out there at the Ellensburg Rodeo? 
<laughs> so there's there's everything from cotton candy to hot dogs to skewers, um, ice cream. There's a, a guy that roasts peanuts, flavored peanuts, right here on the track. Our our vendor guys do a great job of providing a huge variety. Uh, no one leaves here hungry. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> well, I know there's also an area for adult beverages because Heritage Distilling is a sponsor out there this year. Uh, where can rodeo goers go and buy? So uh, we have several watering holes on the on the uh, on the grounds. One is called the Trading Post Saloon. Uh, another one is called Section Nine. Um, and anyone over 21 has the ability to to go cool off under a roof and and have one of their favorite beverages. Uh, and we are really excited that Heritage is a part of our rodeo this year, and uh, look forward to continuing that great sponsorship. I love that they're called watering holes. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so what specifically can people come check out today and tomorrow? So Saturday is a, is a great day for us. We, we have uh, an annual parade through the downtown of Ellensburg. Last year we had like 125 entries. Uh, it's called the Horseiest Parade in the West. Uh, <laughs> a lot of neighboring posses, drill teams, uh, we have recognized special guests. It gives our sponsor, some of our other sponsors and community members an opportunity to to create a float, perhaps, or just to ride a horse. Elmsburg Rodeo Directors are a volunteer group that top hands also participate in it. Um, so it's a several-hour event that leads up to our Elmsburg performance, which starts at 12.45 on Saturday. Um, and following the performance, we reset. And at 8 o'clock, we host the Extreme Bulls National Finals, which is an event that started right here in Ellensburg. So we are the national finals for the entire country for the Extreme Bulls riding circuit. Oh, wow. So can you tell everyone where exactly you are located and where they can go for more information to Absolutely. So we are located um, at the Ellensburg Rodeo Arena, which is located at uh, 1000 East 8th Avenue in Ellensburg. Uh, the Kittitas Valley Event Center is another uh, way to find us. The arena, their rodeo arena itself um, is falls under that, that title. Ellensburg Rodeo, you can buy tickets online at ellensburgrodeo.com. Uh, you can also purchase tickets on-site. At our, we have a ticket office on-site in the, on the north end of the, of the rodeo arena. You can also purchase tickets online and print them at home, and so you can uh, avoid being in line. So we, it's the way people, or you can print the ticket and have it on your iPhone, so or your uh, Android phone. So we're we're modern, we're modern, but we're old west, and uh, <laughs> and we put on a, a great rodeo. You got to you got to stay a little bit uh, traditional and old school when you're. When you're Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we usually wrap up our interviews here at Cast Club Radio by asking our guests if they were throwing a cocktail party, what would we be drinking? But I think I'm going to switch it up and I say, <laughs> if we were if we were at the rodeo with you... Uh, my be... new favorite drink is uh, BSB. I, I had a friend introduce it to me um, about a year ago, and uh, not only do I drink it here on the grounds when I get to stop and relax for a few minutes as directors, we're running pretty hard. And I would like to add that there's 16 other directors just like me that are volunteers that that put on this event and it's a collaboration of hundreds of volunteers but a lot of us have just been introduced to BSB and it is our new favorite drink 
Oh, that's great. So we would be drinking BSB, and then I want to know if if you were in charge, you, you we were having a beverage with you, what event would we be enjoying as well? Wow. Well, I enjoy Mariners baseball. <laughs> <laughs> if I was at the rodeo, I'd be watching bull riding. It's still one of the most exciting events. A hundred and forty pound man on a on a fifteen hundred pound bull. It's uh, it's very exhilarating. Yeah, that would be the event I would want to check out too. And as far as Mariners baseball, hopefully we can get them back on the right track here soon as well. <laughs> I, I keep I'm 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 rooting hard. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yes. Well, in the meantime, everyone should come out and enjoy the Ellensburg Rodeo this Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much, Carl, for joining us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and we have beautiful blue skies, and the forecast for the rest of the weekend is the same. So come on over to Ellensburg and uh, experience the western side of life. I love that slogan, experience the western side of life. Thanks again, Carl, for joining us to talk about the Ellensburg Rodeo. Everyone should go check that out going on all the way through Monday. Coming up next, our friend Distiller Dane joins us with another one of his top five lists. He's got everything from food and drink recommendations to TV shows and music this week. Stay tuned. That's coming up next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. I'm Maura Dooley here with Justin Stiefel, and right now we are joined by our friend Distiller Dane for another one of his famous top five lists. How are you, Distiller Dane? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good. Very good. Summer's winding down, so let's jump right into it. What is number one on Distiller Dane's top five? Number one on my list this week, uh, I was just recently hanging around in the Olympia area and I actually made it over to Tumwater to check out uh, one of the breweries that has been on my list and that is called Matchless Brewing. Um, they're actually in like a big open warehouse brewery vibe near the airport over there. Really nice setting, some comfy places to relax, have the food trucks going outside. Um, they're known for their IPAs, especially one called All Fluff. But they had a few fresh lagers out. They were very delicious for the summertime weather we've been having. And they actually had a newer release of their Wolf Moon, which is uh, on a rotating Fodor Age Saison series. Um, overall, great atmosphere, great beer, and great people. So check it out if you're in the area. Wolf Moon is an appropriate name given the smoke we've had the last couple of weeks <laughs> and the orange moon's uh, sunset we've been getting. So that's appropriate this time of year. Very true. Matchless Brewing. In some water. Okay, number two. Number two. I've always been a fan of watching all the home shows on TVs and fun stuff like that. So on my list for number two this week is open houses. They're fun to pull over and just go in and walk around. In the summertime, there's a lot, so there's many stops to make. But it's not about the open house. It's about the fresh cookies they have at the open house. (laughs) (laughs) So most open houses now, they like to make fresh cookies to attract people to come in. And I like going in there and just taking the cookies, and I've actually developed a home buying cookie system. <laughs> what is that? What is that system? So first, yes, self, are there cookies at the open house? If there isn't, do not go in. And if there is, <laughs> proceed to enter. And were the cookies fresh baked at the house? If not, you can take one and leave. If so, you can take two and tour the house. <laughs> and then are they delicious homemade cookies? If so, you act extra extra interested in the house and take more cookies and tour it a second time. If not, you can just continue and repeat onto the next house. <laughs> Never did I think that you would come up with that system. So way to go. I will tell you. It's been working out pretty uh, good this summer so far. I'll tell you a trick my wife has employed every time we have sold one of our homes is uh, before a 
scheduling, a showing is scheduled, she puts an apple pie in the oven and turns it on so that when the people come to walk through, you can smell the apple pie baking. And we have sold our house the same day every time she does that. Nice. Yeah. Okay, number three. Number three is Bumbershoot Weekend, which is going on right now in Seattle. Yeah. Um, it's basically the amazing three-day festival um, over in Seattle Center. Outside, there's multiple stages outside, and they use some of the venues in the area inside. I actually did a little research, and it's actually been active since 1971, and they've been using the name Bumbershoot, which also means umbrella, which fits the Seattle rain weather very nice since uh, 1973. But uh, tonight, some of the main acts playing is Chromeo. Then for my hip-hop junkies, we got Dr. Octagon on there. And then a Portland classic, uh, which is Emancipator, which is playing with this ensemble. And there's still tickets available for tomorrow as well. And they got the Fleet Foxes, Cold War Kids, and the local legend Blondie um, appearing on the stage that night, too. And, of course, you can't spell Bumbershoot without BSB. Okay, number four. <laughs> number four on my list is a new TV show I've been watching, uh, available on Netflix, and it's actually called Dark Tourist. Have you guys heard of it? I have oh. heard of this one. I haven't seen it yet, though. So it's it's actually written, produced by, his name is David, I believe his last name is Ferrier, and he's actually a New Zealand uh, journalist that's made some documentaries and now started this TV show. But instead of visiting kind of the typical, relaxing, beautiful, traditional vacation spots, he goes around and tours places historically associated with death and tragedy. <laughs> um, hmm. So areas known as dark tourism, as they call it. And he goes and visits everything from cults. Um, there's an episode about vampires to nuclear radiation areas and basically some off-limit countries that most tourists can't get into. There's a little bit of history behind it, but it's just kind of fun and entertaining altogether. All right, dark tourist. And lastly, number five on Distiller Dane's top five. Number five, which I might be most excited about, and I think everyone's heard about it, and there's rumors about it, but apparently there could possibly be an In-N-Out Burger opening a new location in Oregon in the Salem area, which is just 45 minutes south of Portland. Yes, they continue their slow creep march (laughs) northward, and we are excited for the imminent arrival at some point here in Washington. It's not fast enough. I know. I don't think it's technically set in stone yet for that location, but they've been checking it out for a while. And I read if it actually goes through and once construction begins, it'll be about five months until it actually opens. So it might be farther down the road, we think, but it's good news for us us Washington folks. You know, it is slowly creeping up here and maybe we'll one day have one even closer. All right. Good, good. Okay, Dane, thank you for your top five this week. Back to work. Thanks, Dane. All right, thank you. Last week we were talking about inching closer to football. Now we're getting to the point where everyone's going back to school. Justin, I know you've mentioned that, uh, you know, it might not be such a bad thing sometimes to have the kids back in school. I think you have a drink for the parents to celebrate this week, right? We do, yes. Uh, School brings a little bit of sanity back to the uh, structure of (laughs) uh, the households. And uh, whether your kids went back to school last week or they're starting next week after Labor Day or for some reason uh, a week down the road, we've come up with a uh, cocktail for the moms and dads to celebrate when they get the kids back to school. And we find especially that there are a lot of moms that uh, when they put their their kids on the bus, they will go and have back-to-school brunchers and celebration parties. And so we thought, well, let's come up with a cocktail. And uh, we're using BSB because... Uh, you can't spell back-to-school bourbon without BSB. So uh, BSB is your back-to-school bourbon for moms and dads sending their kids to school. This cocktail we call the field trip, 
It uses two ounces of BSB brine sugar bourbon, three ounces of unsweetened apple cider, one ounce of grenadine syrup, and one ounce of ginger ale. Pour all of them together in a glass over ice, stir, and enjoy. Sounds delicious. I guess we are probably heading into apple cider season here, huh? It's coming up, yep. And uh, you'll see in September and October lots of cider uh, on the shelves, and uh, the crop this year with all the dry weather should be especially tasty. Yum. Well, if you'd like to check out that recipe or any others you may have heard us talk about on Cask Club Radio, or if you've missed any past episodes, make sure to go to heritagedistilling.com or cairoradio.com. And you can email us at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. You can look for us on Facebook at Cask Club Radio. Go to heritagedistilling.com, and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, and so on. And, of course, don't forget to rate Cast Club Radio on iTunes. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Everybody be safe this Labor Day weekend. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.